Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to episode 10. This week, we are talking about how not to have shit meetings, which is a topic that's dear to both of our hearts because we've both experienced quite a lot of them in our careers. And I guess one of the things that comes up certainly for my clients is that they want to be good bosses, good leaders. They want to make sure that they hold good meetings, but they've often not had the best of examples or a role model or a way to go about it. So it was a topic that we wanted to cover. So Pam, talk to us then. Have you ever, could you possibly ever have experienced this in your career? What's been your experience of meetings? Oh my goodness. So meetings, let's talk about all of the meetings. So there's a real mix. I think there's those meetings that like go on and on and you see them in your calendar and you just think, oh my God, I can't go to that meeting because I know it won't finish on time and it's going to drag on and on. And I know who the culprits are, who are going to drag it out and I can't face it. So you start thinking of excuses to get out of it and then you just accept that you've got to go into it and then you just know it's going to eat up half your day. So there's them type of meetings and then there's there's the meetings where you don't ever really achieve anything and nobody ever really knows what's going on in those meetings. And then you've got meetings where you've got like a ridiculous agenda. So you go from having no agenda to 7,000 items to cover in an hour I'm just reeling off all of the meetings that I've been in in the past (laughs) but none of them are my favorite kinds of meetings and I think over over the years I've just seen so many different styles of chair meetings and you almost start developing your own style but then it's also based on the environment that you're in as well because I think sometimes if people have those big long drawn out meetings then you feel sometimes that you have to do the same because if you're seen to do anything different that could go against you and I think that is definitely something that's come up for me in the past yeah I'm nodding along as you're saying that and I think one of the things that this really reminds me of is that element that I see with clients of people want to do a good job but nobody ever tells you like there is no school for how to run a decent meeting and so you absorb whatever you're exposed to and you can see things that are wrong with it and have all those frustrations they're too long there's too much packed in there's no purpose it's a meeting that could have been an email there's too many people there the right people aren't there all of that stuff and for so many people I think the frustration comes because they can spend their days pinging from meeting to meeting and they don't feel like they're actually achieving anything. They just feel like they're adding to your to-do list and not actually helping move anything forward. And yet it's hard to know how do you 
create a situation where you run meetings that people actually look forward to. And it is possible. It really is possible to be able to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons for wanting to include this episode is because it's certainly come up quite often for my clients of, I know that I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to replicate that, but I'm not sure how to do something that will work and that will feel like a good use of time and that people will be glad to come to and will feel has been helpful. So have you ever had really, are there really good meetings that stick in your memory? Yeah, I think the really good meetings are where we've gone in, we've known what the agenda was before we got in there. We've also had a chance to look at the minutes from the last meeting, if there was one, so that we can report back on actions and then just running through the agenda, keeping to time, not letting anybody run off on a tangent and start going through because everybody I think the problem with some meetings is that everybody thinks that their update is the most important and if they go into the minute details of what they've delivered or what they're in the process of delivering they feel like that can almost raise their profile when actually all that does is other people are just hurry up get on with it and maybe you're then seen as somebody who can't stick to the point or it becomes like a long-winded update and people start to dread those updates. So for me, when meetings have gone well, even those people who like to elaborate on what they've done, they stick to their update. They just report on what they're working on, what's gone well, what they need support with, and we move on to the next person. And when you do that and you go around, it's a really good experience because you can learn about what everyone else is doing, because sometimes you go into meetings and you're like, actually, I haven't got a clue what anyone else is working on because I'm caught up in my own work that I don't know what's going on around me. And then if you can have a meeting where everyone can give an update and, and then you know what they're working on, almost like what, what's gone well, what they've completed and what maybe they've got outstanding and need support with. And then that gives you a good understanding of what's going on around you as well. So I think for me, they're always the really useful ones and they're the ones I enjoy going to and I suppose they're the kinds of meetings that I also enjoy leading out in the past I've had a manager say to me that I need to that I need to start building rapport at the start of meetings because I was guilty of getting straight down to business and they didn't think that was the right way to do things and for me it was like I'm not going to waste 10 minutes of people's time just passing time a day talking about the weather when we can just get stuck into business Everyone gives their updates. I understand where people need support and then I can sort that out later on or we can discuss it in more detail. But yeah, he said to me that I needed to start building rapport with people. Yeah, I, d- I didn't really like that <laughs> criticism because I was like, I haven't got time for that. No one's got time for me to be trying to come up with conversation and making small talk. That was fairly on early on in my career. So I was I am not going to do that. I see why now you do probably need to set the scene and welcome everyone in. But I was just kind of, let's get down to business. We're not going to waste a second. I'm laughing because one of the packs that we made when we started this podcast was we're not going to have loads of chit chat at the start. We want to get straight into the topic that we're talking about. (laughs) And I feel like we're definitely kindred spirits with that. So 
one of the frustrations that I've had before is where people have done that kind of real polite chit chat and I'm just kind of okay this is nice but that's 10 minutes that I could have been doing some work can we get on to can we get on to the agenda yeah so I think what I'd really like to share on this is something that came about from me from working with my first coach and this was something that really stuck with me and then I'll talk about how it's played out with meetings that I've been to and meetings that I've run and I remember her taking me through a really simple framework which was POP and that stood for purpose outcomes process and it's one of those super simple frameworks that has just stuck with me ever since and when you apply it to meetings it really I find it really helpful to be able to keep meetings on track so purpose comes first and that comes back to the question of why are we even having a meeting? What is the purpose? What is the reason behind needing to have a meeting? And I feel like if meetings have a clear purpose, then that makes it so much more likely that the rest of it will flow well. If it's clear to everybody that's in the room why there needs to be a meeting and what the meeting needs to achieve, then you've got a fighting chance of there being some relevant discussions, some good decisions made, the correct actions coming out of that, whatever it needs to be. And then outcomes really lends specificity to that. So it says, okay, if we need to have a meeting because, you know, we need to make a decision on whatever, then what specific things do we need to discuss within the meeting or what, you know, it it starts to kind of really shape why you're having a meeting and what needs to be covered within it and then you design the process and I feel like so often meetings come from a process thing where it's we have an ops meeting once a month because we've always had an ops meeting once a month and it's half a day and this is the agenda and so you have all this process that's in place And what can get lost is why do we have an ops meeting once a month? What are the reasons that we need to gather and who from ops needs to be in the ops meeting in order for us to make the relevant decisions? And why is once a month the right frequency? Is it the right frequency or does it need to be more or does it need to be less? And I think when you start with purpose and then look at what needs to come out of that specific meeting, then you can design a process that will feel right. So going back to those things you were talking about of where they're too long or where there's too much on the agenda, if you know beforehand, then you can have a fighting chance at making it relevant, making it last the right amount of time. Do you need people to present? Do you need people to prepare in advance? Or is it something that you can just do on the hoof and just grab people for 20 minutes and get stuck into one particular thing and I think when you think of it that way round, for me anyway it just made it so much easier and I've run and chaired all kinds of meetings across the course of my career from quite high level long-term planning meetings team meetings training meetings ongoing project meetings all look and feel quite different and that's because that's been drilled into me from the earliest part of my career to really start with the purpose first and then work that through to the process. 
Yeah, that really makes sense. And I love that acronym, that POP, because it's almost, you can really remember that, can't you? When you're thinking about what you need to get out of a meeting, because I think for me, that is always the key thing. And that is what gets lost so often, because if you are setting up a meeting, it's like, why are you setting this meeting up? A lot of the time people will put in recurring meetings when they're not necessary. So your calendar will get full of recurring meetings and it's, oh, we just need to have an update, but do we need to have the update? What does that update need to achieve? And sometimes it's something that can be done over email or even something that could just be done face-to-face or whatever, you know, on an individual basis, it doesn't always have to result in a meeting. So I think if you've got that in mind, like what is the purpose and as a meeting organizer, you should always be thinking, what is the purpose? Is there a clear purpose? What are we trying to get out of it? The most annoying thing is when you don't articulate the purpose of the meeting and you invite people and they don't really understand what it's about, so they don't come. And then you've wasted your time and everyone else's time. And then you, we're going to have to do this again because we need this particular person in the room to make a decision. So I think that is like a perfect little thing to to remember and keep in mind and also to when you're inviting people it's something that you could like almost make sure that you're including the purpose and this is the outcome that we want to achieve in the meeting so these are the people that we need there because if you're a decision maker we need you in this meeting what it then becomes is that opener so this is why we're having the meeting these are the things that we're here to discuss decide this is where we need to get to within this meeting and I think one of the things that always frustrates me is when meetings just roll on and roll on. If you're not able to judge how long a meeting needs to be, then that for me is a kind of a development area. It's something that you really need to kind of consider. And of course, sometimes there'll be times where things come up that have been unexpected or what have you. But I think it's about being really aware of how long do we really need and want to allocate I think the other thing for me, just going back to what you'd said earlier, is that element of the clarity of expectations. So an example that I've seen relatively recently with a client was where people were asked to present in a meeting and there was literally, here's some slides, you've got to fill this in for your own area. And when you thought about how many people were going to be in that room and how many people were going to be asked to present back, the timeframes, it was, okay, how many minutes has each person got? And there was no clarity on that when people were asked to fill it in. And what then happened was everybody went off whispering in corners and what are you including in your bit? How long? And everybody felt because it was being asked to put some slides together on a PowerPoint, it felt like a big thing. And it felt like, oh, we've got to cover everything and we've got to justify our existence. And in reality, it really was probably two, three minutes that each person had. And it just set off a whole load of rabbit holes for people to fall down because the expectation wasn't clear. The reason for them being asked to present it wasn't 100% clear and certainly the expectation of how long you've got and how much detail versus how high level does this need to be really wasn't clear. And I think that's such a crucial element because otherwise you end up, like you were saying about people that kind of go, love the sound of their own voice and go on and on and will talk for ages. 
And then you'll have other people that will make a different assumption and will stand up, sit down two minutes and they're done. Whereas what's actually wanted might well be somewhere in between those two. Yeah, and that's a really good point, isn't it? Because I think, and this is probably something that you cover off in like terms of raising your profile in leadership positions, but a lot of people think that by going into the minute detail and really lengthening out the updates that is going to give them more credibility and I think sometimes that can go against you can't it like it can really work against you because people start getting cheesed off I suppose people don't always realize that they're doing it but I suppose it's that it's almost that like self-awareness isn't it like how long is everyone else's update and how long am I providing that update for and I suppose the real question is, what else can I do to raise my profile rather than give super long updates in a meeting to be heard? And it's almost those people who don't speak up in meetings, they're actively encouraged to speak up in meetings because they need to be heard. So there's a whole lot going on in the background, isn't there, in people's heads. What is your what is your advice around that, around like really kind of, can you use meetings to raise your profile or are there better ways to do that? Can you use meetings? Absolutely. You can use them in the right way. And I think what I would say is you can use meetings to raise your profile both ways around. So you can use meetings when you're attending as a contributor, and you can also use meetings when you are running meetings, because if you can be that person who has, who does run meetings that people come out and are kind of like, wow, that's actually a really useful meeting. I'm really glad I was involved. It was a meeting that added rather than drained my energy. If you can be that person and you can learn to run meetings in ways that get that response from people and get stuff done, then that is a massive, massive plus. And I remember years ago, I was in an employed role at the time and we were part, I was part of a project team and there were two key projects and the project, like the change team that were running the projects the chair of that meeting, my God, she was brilliant. So what we used to do is each week, the there will be a one hour meeting to cover these two key strategic projects. She would invite everybody and she would make clear the first half is about project X. The second half is about project Y. And then everybody that was there for the first half would be there she would literally go through the actions from the previous week, make really clear what was being agreed. There was no kind of discussion and getting five or 10 people involved in a discussion when it was two people. It was really clear you and you are the people that need to do this element and you need to take that away and you need to report back. And it just kept it really pacey. And we all used to shuffle in those of us that were only there for the second half of the meeting because we were only on one. So we weren't asked to be there for the whole meeting. We shuffled in, stood around the edges of the room, and then the people that were there for the first half and didn't need to be there for the second half got up and left. Some people were there for both. And we then took their seats and the meeting carried on. And the productivity of that meeting was incredible. And the impact then for her in terms of something that people were really quite resistant to, because there was a lot of structure that was it being implemented around business change, and it wasn't particularly corporate business. So it would have been very easy for her to have been, oh, structure process and really irritate people and put backs up. And instead, she set herself in that tone and was able to really kind of a, get 
real key projects done and keep them moving at a good lick, but be be seen in that light as the person that people wanted to run their projects. So I think there's that side. On the other side, then absolutely, if you want to raise your profile, then your contribution within meetings is a really good way to do that. And it's not about being the person that takes the share of the airtime. It's about the person who makes considered interjections, who reflects and understands what has been said, what hasn't been said, are the things that people haven't considered. It's somebody who is able to be influential, but not by being competitive and trying to keep other people down, but really by being the person that is able to bring that voice of reason, that different perspective, that approach that gets people thinking and reflecting. And often that is somebody who does more listening than talking. Yeah, I love that because I suppose as well with what you're saying there, like that having that hour but splitting it between two projects and people knowing which part of that meeting is right for them, it's almost like you save that half an hour, isn't it? And then in terms of that, using the meetings to raise your profile, almost, it's almost like a considered response, isn't it, within that meeting and making sure that your update is on point, that you are providing the right level of information, that if you've got actions, you're completing them and or you can at least provide an update as to where you're up to. And I suppose that it's like they're, they're the things that it really stands out because not many people go into meetings with that view of I need to need to go in and really contribute but also listen and then it's almost it's listen contribute listen contribute isn't it and if you can nail that then yeah you're absolutely right there that is a great way isn't it to raise your profile and I suppose that's something that comes up a lot when you're moving up the career lads how you interact in meetings how you add value within meetings and it's almost like that influencing elements as well isn't it like how you're influencing your stakeholders you're always going to get that person especially when you're the chair that hasn't completed their actions like two or three weeks on the run and it's okay so when are you going to complete it and it's almost that impact and influence isn't it that you can really demonstrate and really set yourself apart from others as well absolutely and it's I think really useful for people to consider when you're in a meeting, how do other people like to be communicated with? Because when you are talking, where you are making a contribution, impact and influence, a lot of that comes down to the nuances of understanding what is it that is going to help my point to come across and to engage other people and to get them to want to listen to what I have to say. And very often the temptation is that you communicate in the way that you naturally communicate. So we're both quite direct, straightforward people. We're both good without the kind of niceties and chit chat. And yet actually, if I'm running a meeting with people where that's really important to them and I just steamroller in and I don't start with some of those niceties, then I've lost the room straight away. And equally when I've been, on the opposite side of it, if I don't get engaged with someone who is more of doing that kind of polite and rapport building piece at the start, and I'm just sat there like looking at my watch and wondering when the actual meeting is going to get started and make that frustration really obvious, 
then that's not going to set me in the right light. So I think it's about that self-awareness and understanding of what do those other people in the room value in terms of communication style? What is influential to get them on board? Are they the kind of person that likes a lot of detail? Are they the kind of person that's going to make decisive kind of statement there and then, or are they going to want to go away and reflect on it? And you need to consider that and then follow it up separately outside of the meeting. And when you start to really get to that kind of level of detail and self-awareness, that's when you can really ramp up the level of influence that you can have and create those opportunities for other people to see you as someone who is influential. And once you create that, then you create opportunities within your career. Yeah, I think that is a, that's a really good kind of way of putting it. I think probably some of the challenges you'd face with meetings are if you're in a new role and it's a new company, every time you're in that new situation, you've got to then start getting a feel for the room and understanding. It's almost, I suppose it is that like the communication styles and people's learning styles and all of that stuff comes into it, doesn't it? What do you do when you find yourself in a situation where you're not 100% sure on how the people in the room want to be communicated with so what do you do or what do you advise in that situation a lot of it does come from observing and you can nearly always pick up clues from it and I think first off I would say when you are new into a role if you're in a new team or a completely new business or new role then it's totally okay I think sometimes feel like oh I should be able to have a contribution I should be able to hit the ground running And actually, it's a really valuable thing to consciously spend your time doing is really spot those signs. And the other thing is to have that conversation with if it's your boss that's running it or if it's a meeting that you're regularly going to be involved with. And, you know, it's it's slightly different if it's a one off meeting. But if it's going to be something that is going to be a regular meeting, then actually have that conversation and understand and start to do a bit of that groundwork and find out, okay, so what normally happens in this meeting? What what kind of contribution are you looking for from me? How can I best do that? And you can make suggestions and talk about what you've done elsewhere. But if you just pause a little bit and just go a little bit slower to, to start with and do more of that kind of observation and picking up the characters, the nuances. And if someone, for example, is really detailed detail-oriented, you will often hear that in or notice that in their own communication style within a meeting. So you will be able to pick that up. I think the other thing I would say is it's that element as well of thinking about when you go in and you're running meetings in a new role, it's really useful to understand what have people experienced before and what's what are they used to? How do they like meetings to run? Because again, culturally, you can sometimes put your foot in it by going in and feeling, oh, I've got all the answers. This is how we're going to run it. Let's go. And if that's very different to what people have experienced, then again, that can harm rather than help your influence. Long story short is really softly go a little bit slower, do more of that observation in the early stages, and then really have those conversations and be explicit about the communication, about what's wanted, why it's wanted, how the meeting's going to run, whether that be you asking those questions and gaining that understanding or whether that be you having that conversation about meetings that you're going to be running. 
Yeah, I think that's great advice because if you can ask those questions, and I suppose as well, when you're new in a role, it's so much easier to ask those questions like when you're new because you know it's a great opportunity. How does this meeting usually run? And what are the what are the people like who come to this meeting? What are their kinds of like expectations or their contributions? And it's so much easier when you're in a new role, isn't it? But then sometimes when you've been there a while. And you just expect as if you, especially if you work in change, you might work across a number of projects and end up in rooms with all kinds of different stakeholders that some you'll know, some you might have worked with, some you might never have met. So it, the more questions that you can ask prior to the meeting, it's almost like kind of find out the info before you go in so you can plot out your plan to either be an effective chair or be an effective contributor, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've already said that in the future, we want to delve more into this and look at particularly team meetings and how to run a really good regular team meeting is a topic that we know that we want to cover. So if there are particular questions that people have, then please do message them to us because, yeah, we know that this is fairly high level and there is an awful lot involved. But yeah, just wanted to touch on some of those key topics for a starter for 10. So. Is there anything before we wrap up that you're kind of feel people do need to know or understand or think about when it comes to making sure that their meetings are not shit? (laughs) I think for me, what really helped me was asking for feedback on my ability as a chair. I was putting it out there when people come to my meetings, what do you think of these meetings? How do you think I could improve these meetings? And lots of feedback come back and you don't always like feedback but it's a really useful exercise because you can take the bits that you know you might already have an inkling that something is not quite right within those meetings and then if you are contributing to meetings you know it's always good to ask the meeting chair could I have contributed more were you happy with my contribution so I think for me that was one of the things asking for feedback and while I didn't always like the feedback I did take it on board and I did use it to to grow my ability because <laughs> nobody wants to go to a shit meeting by the time I come to the end of that role that I'd, I nailed that process of getting people in a room given asking them to contribute but also giving them something of value making sure that we knew what the purpose and the outcome like what you said with with your process making sure that they come into that meeting and they know what they're there for what updates that they need to give and that they are ready and there with the updates and if something's not completed and it's due or overdue that I know that in advance so there's no shockers in that meeting and also making sure you've got the decision makers in the room which links back to the purpose so if somebody knows the purpose of the meeting then they can make a call whether they attend themselves or whether they delegate that you know that to somebody else and if you've clearly stated the purpose and this is the outcome we want to achieve and they know that person they're delegating to cannot make that decision then that means that they're either going to let you know they can't make it themselves they're going to ask you to rearrange to a time when they can make it because they know know that they need to be in the room at that time so I think they're the things for me that really kind of helped me make my meetings run better and flow better and made people walk away feeling like that wasn't a waste of my hour or my afternoon or whatever. So that brings us to a close for today. And we would love it if you've enjoyed this, found the episodes useful as ever for you to rate and review us on Spotify and or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. 
and we will be back with our next episode so next time we have an episode on mistakes to avoid at interview so this is really looking for those of you who are looking at interviews whether that be for an external role or for a promotion this is the opportunity to really understand where the downsides the pitfalls are that people often fall into and how you can make sure that you don't make those mistakes thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you again next time